Welcome back to another somber episode of the Amera Podcast, episode 170. We are here to stop by and update you all if you haven't heard about the most recent mass shooting that occurred this past Sunday in Buffalo, New York. It was quite quite tragic. But before we get into that, we will introduce the crew. We've got Tyler Grillo, our West Coast correspondent with us. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not happy to be here uh, to talk about this particular subject, but need to do it. And as Blake said, if you haven't heard about it, we're going to be talking about white supremacist shooting uh, in Buffalo. But if you haven't heard, I would suggest that you check your news channel of choice more frequently. Uh, just, just to say, I don't think we should be your um, primary source of news. It's my feeling, but you know, make your own decisions. That said, I do know that there are people who have not heard of it yet. So, hey. also with us, Mr. John Anderson in the Denver metro area. How are you this afternoon? Uh, fuck racist Nazis. How are you guys? Yeah. About the same, right? <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about this right now. Yeah. And who are you, our host? I am your host, Blake Banyan. Glorious. Happy to be here with you all. Are you, though? But sorry upon the circumstance. There we go. Yeah. I guess briefly, in the in the case of you haven't heard or just to set the context, um, an 18-year-old white man, boy, boy man, um, uh, who had been radicalized uh, by white supremacy, drove uh, over 200 miles uh, from where he lived to the uh, city of Buffalo and specifically targeted a supermarket in a black neighborhood and um, massacred 10 people and injured three others and was taken into custody by the police. And he also published a manifesto online in which he talks about multiple things, including the race replacement theory, which should be noted is something that Tucker Carlson likes to tout on his show. Um, and, and what is that theory? Uh, the race replacement theory is that um, there's like a bunch of other non-white, any, I think it's anybody who's not white, um, who are going to replace white people in the United States. Basically, the way in which the population change is is happening, and then that basically like white people are going to be oppressed. Um and I'm sure there's more to it than that, but I don't really give a shit because it's the dumbest theory fucking ever. I don't know if this is a subset or like the whole set, but I think it's also um, led by Jews. And so oh. you get like all the food groups uh, in there, uh, you know, you mm. can get all the things. Right. Um, so and then this also has to do with uh, accelerationism, which is um, a theory uh, by Nazis that basically like you need to... Uh, induce societal collapse so that you can, um, you know, achieve your, your, um, objectives. And so it's almost like an anti ideology where they just want to destroy all the other ideologies. So this is like trying to create a second race war or I mean, a second, second civil war, same thing, basically. <laughs> uh, there also like the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand had to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be interesting to see, Interesting is a word, whether this inspires more, but like Dylan Roof also yeah. um yeah. was was this was uh part of his thinking. So um turns out white supremacy, pretty destructive and violent and terrible ideology. It is not a benign thing in our society. 
Yeah. And you're seeing, I mean, I also think of like, right, Charleston, the Channing Jews will not replace us. Like the, just the word replace being in there. I mean, and Jews, right? And like Jews, like you were saying, yeah. Literally yeah. exactly what we're talking about yeah. with replacement theory. Yeah. Um, and yeah, right. Like this is, this theory has been going on for a long time. Um, it's also just like the cognitive dissidence needed to be a group of people who came and literally genocided a bunch of people and then to be pissed off that you think other people are coming and taking that place from you a few hundred years later just the cognitive dissonance of that is a fascinating thing in of itself um but yeah i mean the the, the white supremacist threat in the united states is the number is like the number one terrorist threat as has been said to us by our government um well i don't know if they said it was number one but i would consider it it is by by a lot lot. no it is by a lot it's our number one domestic terror threat right yeah. Uh, I think it might just be terrorism overall. Just terrorism overall exactly. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so. I don't know how they make those metrics, but I think that we can see it by the amount of attacks and massacres was, uh, yeah, in this in the country. Yeah. Right. Just rate of attack, probably. Yeah. Uh, and amount of deaths. Amount of de- right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Amount of deaths is, I think, that, yeah, the big one of the big metrics. Um, and it's something like I saw this graphic the other day. It was something like five, 50%. Uh, are right-wing extremists, and then it's, you know, like 12% are Muslim and 4% is uh, left-wing. Right. It's like it's it's like a majority yeah. of all uh, deaths from domestic terrorism or terrorism generally, whichever one it is, came from um, right-wing ideologies like white sure. supremacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> you know, it's, it's this ongoing pattern, right, of like these, it, these, what appear to be, and it's not always just individuals, but like we're seeing a trend of younger white males who are acting, um, the acts that they carry out are by themselves, but they are, they are, they are drawing comparison and putting themselves in groupings with other people, right? Like, like Dylan Roof, right? Like, and so there is an organization to it. And I think that is unfortunately one of the things that people who I, th- I mean, I think now it's it's getting hard to ignore because it's it's just like we keep seeing the same thing in the manifestos over and over. But there's been time where it's like, well, these are individual actors. And it's like, but if you read why they're doing what they're doing, they're not doing it for individual reasons. And, and the big thing, like uh, the John Birch Society in the 60s and 70s was a, a, a right wing radical organization that was rejected by the majority of uh, leaders on the right. And that's why they didn't, you know, weren't able to take power like um, radicals on the right have so far because they have elite support. They have support from Tucker Carlson, uh, Elise Stefniak, who replaced Liz Cheney as the third uh, overall leader in um, Congress, tweeted out something pretty fucking uh, adjacent to replacement theory the other day. And so it was about baby formula and like, why are we sending it to immigrants on the border when like, you know, unsaid white people could use it in the United States. So it's metastasized, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. a, a really, this is something that um, I think is incredibly concerning yeah. for the, the you know, next decade or two of what this country looks like. Like it started to feel like if, uh, let's say, um, the Civil War is to the civil rights um, uh, movement in the 60s as repla- uh, uh, Reconstruction is to right now. Right, yeah. So, so like, like we're, we're fighting, it feels like we're fighting a rear guard action um, defending the gains of the 60s and 70s, uh, which is um, 
bad and not fun. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody and very fucking deadly for people too. Also, yeah. like it's not just, oh, my feelings are hurt. It's I don't have access to a good job and I'm going to get murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that's tricky is like, how do we hold the people who how and when is it going to be acceptable to hold the people like this congressperson who's tweeting about the baby formula to hold these people? And I'm specifically thinking of Tucker Carlson, uh, again, accountable because, right, like Charles Manson was found guilty of all these murders, but he wasn't actually present there. He just organized that shit to make it happen. Right. So how do you hold the people accountable who are pushing these theories, even though they're not the ones who are committing the violence itself, but they are uh, more or less creating the conditions in which this violence is. Uh, uh, able to happen. A, a, a class action lawsuit, maybe. Oh, yeah. There we go. I like that. Um, I like brought that. by like the American fucking people. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, another way. I like is... that. United States citizens against Tucker Carlson. This sounds great. Yeah, I like that. That's a good let's ring go. to it. Um, you know, there's also a lot of free speech um, components here that we have to deal with, yeah. um, which are important. And so, um, you know, you cannot punish people for their speech, but you can punish people who incite violence in, in co certain contexts. So, but we don't have law that's really able to deal with this. I think like it's as, as some Supreme court justices would be very surprised to hear considering their jurisprudence, Fox news did not exist in 1783. When we wrote the fucking Constitution. <laughs> so yeah, shocking. I know. So it, we, we like many things in this country have an extremely old governing document that was not, um, um, that that is having trouble catching up with uh, modern societies, and that's uh, a problem that everybody on I think the political spectrum is feeling, and part of the chaos that we're dealing with right now. Speaking of holding people accountable, did you see that allegedly a, the a nine one one dispatcher may have uh, hung up on one of the Tops Market salespeople? Oh, jeez, that's fucked. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's an investigation, I guess, into that going on right now. Yeah, that's not good. Um, dispatcher may be fired over handling a Buffalo shooting call. Yeah, yeah. It's just so devastating for the community of Buffalo and and particularly the black community. And, you know, it's that question of, well, what is, those of us who aren't there, um, there are... Uh, there are a lot of organizations that are raising money, so you can find those um, easy Google search. Um, find some organizations there are articles written on who to donate to, who are you know handling the trauma and supporting community members in the trauma and the aftermath. And but also right for those of us who are maybe not there, and also you know if you're a white person like us here, um, there are uh, there, there's a practitioner, somatic practitioner, who, um, I respect uh, a lot, Prentice Hempel, and they a black and they're um, black queer practitioner, and they posted a video on um, Instagram. And one of the things that they mentioned in that they were like, I don't really often talk directly to white people, but they're like, I wonder like what what you all can do like to create a a like white cult, like an actual white culture, right? Because like whiteness is a construct built on oppression, right? Like there was no whiteness until there was blackness. Those two things came together and it was, it's a hierarchy, right? And what, what's happening is that because there's a, and now I'm speaking for my, a little bit more for myself, this is what I think that 
this person Prentice was uh, referring to was is that right there's a void in um, in our in the white culture because it's not really built on necessarily actual like European ethnic heritage, right? It's built on this amalgamation of, of, um, privileges and hierarchy and that leaves a void, right? And these kids, these young kids who are searching for something, not finding it, the extreme right gives you an answer, right? They tell you, oh, you're feeling, they speak to that, right? They're like, oh, you're feeling disenfranchised. You're feeling like disenfranchised in life. You're feeling like you, you don't have, well, here's the reason these other people are to blame, right? And they double down on white supremacy, right? And the question is like, those of us who are doing this work, what, what are we doing? And I think one of the, I mean, that, that's an open question that I'm just posing to every, to the world, to all white people. But I would say, and uh, I would say that having the conversation as we're having it here is a place to begin. I, I'm just curious. Uh, I haven't looked at the statistics. I guess I could look it up. But how many of these mass shootings are caused by like teenagers? I, it's a good question in terms of the percentage. I don't know. A lot of the recent high-profile ones, right, have have been right, like by kids, youth. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast today uh, with a doctor like a nutritionist and she was her, she was making a case that the mental health crisis with teens mm-hmm. is largely contributed being contributed to uh lack of nutrition mm-hmm. i guess apparently two-thirds of that generation's diet is all pro- highly pro like super processed foods and apparently they're two thirds. Mm-hmm. And so they're missing like a huge chunk of nutrition. And so she was making a case. Uh, her name's, I think, Dr. Tracy Pierce. She was making a case that it has to do with the lack of nutrition. Um, and so I wonder if people like this kid, you know, maybe he had suicidal tendencies already. And instead of just like killing himself, which has happened so often with teenagers right now, Right. He went and took it out or he was more susceptible to the white supremacy and the, the, the corrupt theory of of that, I guess, you know, due to a lack of nutrition. How interesting would that be? It could possibly be a piece of it. I mean, I think that, you know, lack of nutrition, lack of education, right, all of these things are ways in which, um, yeah, the, the powers that be. Um, whatever you want to call those, but it, you know, they, they want good little worker bees who are going to, and you know, there's different ways in which that manifests. I'm not, I'm not posing. There's a small group of people at the top making these decisions in some shrouded room, but rather that this is the way the systems were built, you know, but yeah, certainly lack of nutrition. I mean, we see that in, uh, food deserts, right. In in, uh, black communities and, um, primarily BIPOC communities, that's a huge thing, right. If you're not getting the nutrition you need. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of like jump off of that and go back to your original point, Tyler. I think it's important. I mean, like we're having a conversation about a racist who had, who shot people uh, on a race-based motive. So it's important that we like and you know, investigate that. But I think to your general point, you see like, like a disaffection from community across the spectrum. It's not just race. It's in the church. It's in um, all different types of places where people used to feel like they belonged. And those places don't um, have the same pull. They don't have the same weight. And they also are not serving a, a, a quality purpose uh, like they presumably used to. And so I think it's important that we talk 
Like, I think there's a general, a more general point to be made than just race that like, we need to find ways to reconnect to community, uh, that is beneficial for our brains, for our hardware and connecting to community on Instagram or Twitter is not as beneficial as going to church. Like Jordan, who's been on this, um, podcast, my cousin, uh, talked a lot about how like the church was more like community for her, or at least I, I guess I shouldn't put words in her mouth, but I got the sense that that's what it was. Um, it was a lot more about like the community than it was about like the theocracy or whatever. Um, we'll find out. We'll let us know. Indeed. So I think like that, that is these like, you know, people who are having all these, you know, who are going out and doing mass shootings, a lot of times you see that they disconnected from healthy communities and then found a community mostly online that sucked them in to these types of ideologies. So I think, you know, a lot changing your oil is way better than replacing your engine. And a lot of that is like, we can apply that kind of principle to society and say like, Hey, we should be finding ways for these people who are dropping through the cracks to find their own community in productive ways, whatever that might be. So, you know, like, uh, as you pose the open question, I think maybe a way of like attacking the racial components in white spaces is not necessarily going after it in a direct way, right? Like a lot of people are not going to be prepared to have that conversation, but they might be prepared to have that conversation ish about their church, right? Or like their favorite sports team or, uh, you know, their whatever, whatever their passion is, maybe you can like start directing them towards more productive communities. And then once there's some like realization there, you can be like, what about like whiteness? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But like, they're so lost. A lot of these people are so lost that like, we got to find them some kind of anchor yeah. uh, first before we can go there. Right. I think. Well, and this is an argument, you know, that I've made multiple times in this podcast, another argument for calling in versus calling out, which once again, calling out has its purpose here and there. But, but again, it, it severs that it goes, Oh, when you, when you do the call, it's like, you're wrong, you're bad. Right. And cancel culture in general. Right. I guess I should say more specifically cancel culture, like canceling. But well, it's like, well, now they're not part of the community that you associate with. So where are they going to go? what community are they going to find? Because we're relational beings and they're going to find something, right? And who's left to accept them, right? These white supremacists certainly are. And so it's not, it's, it's not strategic, right? And it's also not human. It's like people make mistakes. And again, we all make our own choices about who to have in our lives and not, but just like the vast, like, Oh, I canceled this person. And therefore you, everyone should cancel this person. Right. I mean, I've literally had this happen where it's like, this person's canceled. And like, I see that your Facebook friends with them and like, what's wrong with you You need to defriend them. And it's like, Whoa. Okay. Okay. You can make your own decisions and you can ask me about my decisions and maybe it's information I didn't have about this person. So whatever, but the blanket, like this person did something wrong. We need to cast them out is not a strategic move, nor is it a very humanist move to do. Yeah. I think it's, you know, accountability is really important, but there has to be a, um, a way to like rectify the situation, you know, like it's, you can't just be like, you're fucking banished to Siberia and that's it forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. So, you know, that I I guess just as an aside, I found that to be one of the really interesting questions in the Me Too movement was like, 
what's the path back for these people? Because mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. important that there is one. And I don't know if we ever really answered that question. Yeah. Um, but again, like we need to be doing the same. That, and that's that's part of, um, you know, we are facing an insurgency in this country. And part of, of um, counterinsurgency is finding ways to de-escalate insurgents, yeah. to bring them back to the community, right? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah. sometimes like accountability is important too. Like that's the right. people who are like, oh, cancel culture. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. people need to be fucking canceled. And yeah, also exactly. like you losing your nightly news program for like a <laughs> month is not canceling you. Like, yeah, right. or, like right. you going on Fox News to complain about whatever happened is not a cancellation. Yeah, that might be called like, consequences and consequences yeah. are a part of accountability. Right. Like, yeah. But like we shouldn't, you know, like. I, I think we should offer concrete ways for people to come back from these things that are like acceptable and useful for society. It's the same thing in, in incar- the incarceration issue, right? right. Like yeah. Yeah. we need to find ways to re- rehabilitate rather than punish wherever possible. Right. And, and I just want to like say like there's, um, I don't, I don't know quite how to say this, but like, it's not like that isn't in our, it's not like we can't do that because like, look like, Look at Dylan Roof, for example, right? Right. Um, no, sorry, not Dylan Roof. Um, whoever was the one in uh who shot the protesters in um and the George Floyd riots, that kid. Um Oh, Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. Or whatever. Because look, he's being taken into the fold by these people. It's not like it's not in a they got him alive. They like decided that like he did, he was acting in self-defense. He didn't get punished. And so it's not like it's not possible. It's just possible when it's white supremacy, but not when it's other shit. Right. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? So we're very, very, very forgiving of certain people in this country. Yes. And not of others. Right. And, yes. and I don't have all the answers and this is a longer, much longer discussion, but if it's something that is interests you as listeners, check out something called transformative justice. I'm starting a training about it this weekend. And it's very, it's this very question is how, when someone harms, how do we set up systems and groups of people, really community to hold them accountable and work with them in a way that they can come back to the community and right relationship. Stick them on a kale farm. Stick them on a kale farm. <laughs> well, not bad. You, you need to find a proper stick and carrot balance. Speaking of kale or a stick and kale balance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, also we want to be just conscious about not um, leaving out the human element of this and just really inviting. Cause a lot of, you know, without going too deep into it, white supremacy has a big thing about lacking feeling and sensation and the impact of violence and especially on black bodies. And so encourage you listeners to just take the next few moments in silence and just really consider um, the death that was caused, you know, and the violence and the trauma um, by this white supremacist massacre. And I'm going to read the names um, of the victims um, and hope you'll join us in this moment. So the 10 people who were killed, Roberta A. Drury, age 32, Margus D. Morrison, age 52, Andre McNeil, age 53. Aaron Salter, age 55. Geraldine Talley, age 62. Celestine Cheney, age 65. Hayward Patterson, age 67. Catherine Macy, age 72. 
Pearl Young, age 77, and Ruth Whitfield, age 86. And the three people who are injured are Zaire Goodman, age 20, Jennifer Warrington, age 50, and Christopher Braden, age 55. Raise your glasses to those not here anymore. Godspeed, everybody. which mm. is um, a theory uh, by Nazis that's basically like you need to 